0: Hey, thanks for listening to the Afresh Church Message Podcast. Our hope is that today's message is encouraging and uplifting and ultimately will draw you into a closer and deeper relationship with Jesus, starting right now. Uh, Today we're going to talk about a a man named Naaman. Say that five times fast. Man named Naaman. I can't. A man named Naaman. In the Bible, and if, if you uh, have your Bibles with you, let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, if you're reading from your fresh Bibles, it's page number 222. You'll never forget the story. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, we'll start in verse 1 and go all the way to 14. But uh, Naaman is is an interesting character in the Bible and uh, one of my probably top 20. He's not my favorite, but he's cool, uh, he's different. and. Uh, He's an interesting character in the Bible because, you know, most of the Bible is written about, you know, these people, mighty men and women of God, right? Um, Naaman, not so much. Uh, he actually was not a man of God. He, he, he didn't believe in God. He didn't have a relationship with God. In fact, uh, he, you could even consider him an enemy of God. Uh, Naaman was an Aramean, and at the time they were in conflict with Israel. So Israel is God's chosen people, and, and, and Naaman is a commander of an Aramean army that, uh, that. Constantly attacks Israel and tries to take them over. So, so uh, you know, if you, it's interesting how God can use people that don't even have relationship with Him in such a way that is incredible. And this is you op, the opening line in um, in Second Kings chapter five. Uh, you'll you'll read that um, that God used Naaman in, the, uh, in an incredible way. Uh, The Lord gave Naaman a lot of his victories, and I think it's interesting that the Lord gave Naaman, the Lord used Naaman, even though Naaman didn't want to be used or wasn't willing to be used, God found a way to use him anyways, and he used him to speak to the kings of Israel a lot. and uh, Israel was, was God's chosen people, right? So they actually appointed kings, and uh, you'll, you'll read all through First and Second Kings. It's like, there's generations of, this king was good, this king was bad, this king was good, this king was bad. And so each, each and every time, depending on the leadership, uh, you know, you would see different victories or losses uh, with, with the nation of Israel. And so um, at the time, uh, you know, Naaman's Naaman's country is is, at, is, at, um, is in conflict with, with the country with, with the nation of Israel. So so these are two opposing forces, and God uses them still in an incredible way. Um, but but you know Naaman is is the commander of this army. And he's got all these you know prerequisites and everything. He's got all this status and everything like that. Uh, but he does have one problem, one problem, and it's just a slight problem. Uh, he has leprosy, this you know life ending disease, leprosy. Just a small uh, problem. You know, which to any other god is incurable. Uh, but then he heard about the God of Israel and uh, something that he might just be able to do. So, so we're going to take a look at this story today and and, and read and, and ask God to speak into our lives as well. So let's read Second uh, Kings chapter five. We'll go from verse one all the way down to verse fourteen. Are you there? Are you ready? All right. First Kings, Second uh, Kings chapter five. It says the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army. Because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At the time, the Aramean uh, raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, "I, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him, and I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out to the king of Israel, uh, carrying oh, yeah. So Naaman started out. I'm lost here. Take oh, okay. So Naaman started out carrying as as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman. <clears throat> I want you to heal him of his leprosy. So when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, My God, can I give life and take it away? Why is, this man, why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see what he's trying to do is just pick a fight with me. The king of Israel thought that this was a, this was a tactic of, of, of the nation of Aram to, to kind of scare him a little bit. And, and so he thinks he's taunting them. So, so, you know, with this, um, what is he trying to do? Just pick a fight with me? But then when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he had sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me. And he'll learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out. To him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I, I, I thought he would certainly come out to meet me," he said. "I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of his Lord, of the Lord his God, and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, Abana, and Far 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 part better than any rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed?" So Naaman turned away and went. Or, so turned and went away in rage. But his officers tried tried to reason with him and said, "Sir, if, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it?" Just, certainly you should obey him when he says, simply, go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. It's, I love this story because it, it, it shows the power of God. There's nothing that is too hard for God. He still cures the incurable. He still finds the unfindable. He still heals the unhealable and still fixes the unfixable. I love, I love this story. If you're taking notes today, I, I want to title this message and talk from the idea of miracles in the mundane. Miracles in the mundane. T- turn to your neighbor real quick, wake him up and say, hey, there's a miracle here somewhere. There's a miracle in the mundane somewhere. Go ahead and tell him. Wake him up. Elbow him right in the ribcage. There's a miracle in the mundane, my neighbor. And then turn to your other neighbor and say, hey, thanks for telling me that. I really appreciate that. That's encouraging to me today. <laughs> miracle in the mundane. Because isn't it just like God to turn the turn the ordinary into the extraordinary, isn't it? I love, I love this story. Let's, let's pray and, and open us up in prayer and, and ask God to bless this message and speak to us today. Thank you Jesus for this day. Thank you so much for this time of worship, this time uh, to dedicate uh, to you and, and to just be in your presence. God, I pray that you would speak to us today. Something that you want us to take home from this. Something that we don't forget and uh, something that just encourages us to keep moving forward towards the direction of you. Wherever that is, wherever you are, we want to be close to you. God, speak to us today. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Um, I'll I'll never forget the moment. I'll never forget the moment that I found out that life is not fair. Life is not fair. Does everybody know that life is not fair? Okay, let's just come to a common agreement here that life is not fair. I remember this uh, this moment so vividly, too. Um, When I was about six or seven, uh, have you ever heard of the Pinewood Derby? Anyone ever heard of the Pinewood Derby? Oh, really? Okay, just a few of us. So let me let me tell you what it is. So, uh, the Pinewood Derby is basically just a two by four of wood, uh, about you know eight inches long or something like that. And and what 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 it did is, is it was this kit that came with a bunch of wheels and axles and everything. And and you would um, you would draw out what you wanted your car to look like, and then you'd have a supervi- you know a supervising adult or or, or guardian. Um, Cut this out and make the shape of your car. And you would make this car together. And it was so fun. And uh, you would paint it and make it all sorts of different colors. And, you know, the main goal here was to make it fast, right? Because when you would race against other people, you wanted to win. And so my, the church I was going to at the time, when I was about like six or seven, uh, we, 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 they decided to take like six weeks or something and do this Pinewood Derby. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. You know, and I, I'm decorating this thing and I'm putting it all together and designing everything. I'm like, wow, this is really, really cool. And, you know, we had tons of fun with it. And um, we spent like six weeks on this thing. And finally it came to race day. And, the, you know, there was, like, 150 kids. Because I think they had brought some from, from outside the church, too, doing this pine wood and everything. And it was, like, 150 kids that all got together. And they're ready to race these things to find out who's, whose car is the fastest, right? And so I'll never, I'll never forget, too. You know, I, I had spent more time on the design of, like, how it looked more than, like, the aerodynamics or, you know, the speed aspect of it. You know, it's just this downhill thing. I was like, ah, it's, it's wood. You know, what are you going to do? And um, so I... I you spent more time on, on just making it look pretty as, you know, a six- or seven-year-old would do. And I watched a lot of NASCAR, and uh, my favorite driver in NASCAR was, was Dale Earnhardt Jr. And if you remember, back in the early 2000s, Dale Earnhardt Jr. used to drive this big red car and said, Bud, on the side of it. You remember this? Well, innocent little me was like, oh, I love this guy. He just wants to be everyone's Bud, you know? Like, I, I want to be this guy's Bud, I didn't know it meant Budweiser, and so <laughs> here, you know, all the, these cars stayed at church, so my mom, my, my mom and dad never saw it until race day with 150 kids and their parents at a church, and my mom worked at the church, so <laughs> we, we show up, and I'm like, hey, you're so proud of this car. It's got you're, you're bright red with B-U-D all over it, and uh, I sponsored this and everything, and, and I was like, hey, look at my car, and I just saw the blood leave their face, just like, Oh, my gosh, they're going to think we're alcoholics, you know, and, and I work here. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I was just so innocent. But anyways, the races started, and, you know, this is downhill thing, and uh, I had spent more time on the design than, than the aerodynamics. And so I remember the first race was, you know, six lanes or something, and, and they let them go, and my car was dead last. And I was like, oh, man, that hurts. Okay, well, that's all right. You know, there's like 150 kids. What's one race, right? The second race, you know, they let them go, dead last, the third race, dead last. And at this point, I was like, please, God, help me win one race. Just don't let me be, you know, completely disappointed. And wouldn't you know, you know, they had like winner's brackets and everything. And they had loser's brackets because everybody gets a trophy. And, and I was like, out of 150 kids, I came in 150th place. I did not win a single race that day. And to a little kid, you know, six or seven years old, this is the, the, literally the worst day of my life. I had, it was, it was the worst day of my life. And so, you know, I, I talked to my mom about this. I was trying to remember. I was like, as I was, you know, in here, I was like, did this actually happen or did I just remember it? She's like, no, you were really upset. And I was like, okay, that's what, that's what I thought. The worst day of my life. And I was just like, ah, oh, I just, I don't understand. You know, I, I put all this work, I put all this effort into, you know, making this car, the, you know, the, the greatest car ever and the fastest car ever. I put Bud on the side of it, you know. It's friendly. And, you know, I, I was just like, yeah, this is not fair this is not fair and you know I, obviously this is a silly example uh, but i think we, we all have had had times in our in our lives before where you know you you put so much effort into something you work so hard you work so long on, on something and and, and and you you really put your heart and soul into it and then all of a sudden it just doesn't turn out the way you think it does and you're like ah Man, this, this is just not fair. The life is not fair. I, I don't understand why this is happening. Why, why is this happening to me? Why me of all people? You know, I'm a good person. We try to justify this sometimes. I'm a, I'm a good person. I, I do this and this and this. Like, why, why would this happen to me? Or, you know, maybe it's even more serious where we just we feel like we just can't get a break. We, we just can't catch a breath sometimes, it, it feels like. And, and it's just like everything is falling apart. Your life is being ripped apart at the seams. You're, you just got to look up sometimes and like, really? Why, why is this happening? To, this is not fair. I, just, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't get it. This is how our friend that we read in 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman is. He's a good man. He's a man. He's a mighty man of valor. He's a commander of an airman army. He's worked his way up the ranks. He earned what he had, right? But it just goes to show that no matter what you have or what you do or what you're, who you are, sometimes life just really takes a, a blow to the gut, and it just knocks the wind out of you sometimes. And you just have to be like... Uh. This doesn't make any sense. This, this, you know, this isn't this isn't fair. And this no matter what you have, you can't escape the unfairness of life. And he couldn't avoid the fruit of living in an evil and broken world. So Naaman, this, this mighty man of valor, this commander of this, of this army, he can have everything and anything that he wants. All his, all he has this long list of accomplishments. Now they're all void. Because he's a leper. He's a leper. He has leprosy. And, and leprosy is no joke either. You know, if you've read you know, your Bible at least a little bit, you've probably heard of leprosy before. It's not so common anymore, but, but, but back in Bible times, this was a deadly disease. If you have leprosy, you're, you're pretty much at the beginning of the end of your life. Uh, you, you can 't do anything you can't go anywhere you have to this is the original social distance right you had to stay far away from everybody because he's got leprosy and, and leprosy is this this awful disease that just really starts to eat your skin away it just starts to eat it away and, and and it's just falling off and it's rotting flesh and it's it's gross and it smells bad and and sometimes it'll it'll you know make appendages of your body fall off fingers nose your eyes will it'll start to eat your eyes it's, it's it's, it's an awful disease. So when you get the, the news from the doctor, hey, you've got leprosy, your mind just wanders. Oh my gosh, no, you know, I, what is, what, what is going to happen with me? This is the beginning of the end of my life. And, Imagine being Naaman in the situation. you know, I've got all these things that I, I can do, and I have, and, and now I've got to stay away from everybody, because you know, my, my skin is, is literally falling off. <laughs> it's it, like a good, really, perfectly good uh, cooked uh, rack of ribs. It's just falling right off the bone, you know? And uh, I know. I had to use the image. It's <laughs> falling right off the bone. Tender. Uh, in all seriousness, though, it, it was the beginning of the end of his life. And, and, and life has a good way of reminding us that no matter what we have or do, uh, it doesn't prevent us from experiencing hardship and pain in this life. And, and Naaman's wondering to himself, how could this happen? What do I do? I just don't understand. I just don't understand. And with, with leprosy, there's no cure. No amount of essential oils can fix this. No amount of kale can fix this. No, even the false gods can't fix this, and, and it really is the beginning of the end of your life. And, you know, God's got an interesting way of speaking to people. And so this, 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 uh, this little girl that Naaman captured in one of his raids, he, he you know, took on and, and made her a part of his, of his family. And she says, oh, man, sorry, sorry about your, 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 your leprosy here, but, you know, you should, you should go see the, the prophet that, that's where I'm from. He, I, bet, I bet he could heal you. And so Naaman, being desperate, he's like, well, I don't know anything else. There's no other options. So imagine just, imagine, the, um, imagine going to the king and being like, hey, king, I need a recommendation letter, please, uh, for the king of Israel to, to tell the prophet that he needs to heal me. And the king's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. who told you about this guy? Uh, the little girl did. <sighs> really, a, a, little, a little girl? You want me to write this recommendation letter based on the, the information from a little girl? Yeah, that's exactly what I want you to do. You know, being desperate makes you pretty much do anything. You would do anything to be cured. And so that's, that's what the king did. He's like, okay, I mean, I go into enemy territory and tell him to, to get this prophet to heal one of my soldiers. Okay, whatever, whatever you say. So long story short, Naaman shows up at the, at the, at the front doorstep of, of Elisha. And uh, he's got, you know, he's, he comes on his, on his, with his horses and chariots. And he's got all this money. And, and um, scholars think that it was over millions of dollars that he came to heal, to give to Elisha, to heal him of his leprosy. Because when you're desperate, you will do just about anything. But instead... When he gets there, Elisha doesn't even come out to see him. He basically sends the Bible equivalent of a text. He sends a messenger, and he says, hey, (laughs) go dip in the river seven times. You know, see if that works. I don't know. And Naaman, of course, he's like, what? For real? Do you know who I am? Do you even know my name, man? Ah, Naaman. Okay. Anyways, (laughs) do you... (laughs) Ah, uh, it took a while. You'll get it when you get home. Okay. Do you even know my, you know, do you know who I am? And you're going to send a messenger out to me and, 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 and not even come yourself? And, you know, I thought you were going to wave your hand over me and just pray to your God and he would heal me. You're telling me to go embarrass myself by d- 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 dipping in the Jordan River? Well, this, this makes no sense. And he stormed off. He stormed off thinking to himself, man, I just, I don't get it. I just don't understand. I just don't understand. What, what do you do when, when God asks you to do something that makes absolutely no sense? What do you do? What do you do? I mean, for real, like, you know, surely we've all been here before. Whenever you feel the prompting of God, just, you know, it's like a little, still, small voice. It's like, hey, trust me with more than 10% of your income. You're like, what? Or, you know, hey, pick up this, this homeless person on the side of the road. Take them to wherever they need to go. <laughs> what? You know, or you start a church, and, or you pastor a church uh, when you have zero experience. <laughs> what? You know, sometimes, what do you do whenever, you, whenever God asks you to do something? It makes absolutely no sense. You, you almost start to talking, yourself out of it. You're like, there's no way this is going to work. There's, I, I, I can't do that. Come on, for real? This, this is just my own mind talking. I think back about, you know, like Moses and, uh, you know, how God spoke to him through the burning bush. He said, go and, you know, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Um, I, I, I can't imagine, or I can't help but to think what Moses might have felt. And he's like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm a, after some convincing, he's like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll go tell Pharaoh. And then, you know, on the way to Pharaoh, he's like, you know, this is Egypt. It's really hot out here. Was I hallucinating? Did that really happen? Did I really hear someone call my name from a burning bush? Like, did he really tell me to throw my staff down? It would turn into a snake and then throw back, you know, eh, I don't know. And we almost start to talk ourselves out of it. What do you do when God asks you to do something that makes absolutely no sense? Absolutely no sense. You know, it's, it's easy for us to read this story and say, come on, Naaman, just, you know, just go to the Jordan River and dip yourself in it. Your miracle's right around the corner. You know, what are you doing? And, you know, it's easy to criticize Naaman because we know the end of the story. But, you know, we we know he gets the healing. We know he's restored, and we know that Elisha was right the whole time. Like, we know that, but we know the end of the story. I just want you to understand for a minute how ridiculous this request is. You know, Elisha wanted Naaman to dip himself in the Jordan River seven times. The Jordan River back in this day was disgusting. I mean, it was awful. It smelled gross. Everybody was like, ugh, the Jordan River, right? And some people probably thought, oh, you get leprosy from the Jordan River. You don't heal it, you know? And th- this, is the, this is gross, you know? Um, and so for Naaman to travel all the way across to the country to go into enemy, to enemy territory at that, he finally finds a person who claims that they can heal leprosy. And, you know, instead of waving his hand over him, which would make the most sense in this scenario, he tells him to go and dip in the Jordan River, seven times. Keep in mind, Naaman has never heard of Yahweh God before. He's only worshiped these false gods. So, so I, I kind of get where Naaman's coming from because you can see he literally showed up on his high horse at, at Elisha's house and with tons of money. And he, you know, he's, he, I imagine he showed up to, to his house. He's like, all right, I'm ready for my healing now. You know who I am. You know, he's this mighty man of valor. And, you know, Naaman is used to worshiping false gods where your performance matters and what you have matters and how great you are matters. And, and so that's why he showed up in that way. And so when Naaman hears something as ridiculous as, yeah, disregard everything you brought. Disregard everything you've earned. Disregard everything you have. And uh, just go wash yourself in this gross river. <laughs> like, I kind of understand where Naaman's coming from, you know. And, and he's just like, oh, that, that doesn't make any sense. I've never heard of a God that heals that way. And you know, Naaman almost missed the miracle that day just because he didn't understand it. Naaman almost missed his miracle that day just because he didn't understand it. Please hear me today. Understanding is not what God requires, but obedience is what God desires. I'm going to say that again for some note takers. Understanding is not what God requires, but obedience is what God desires desires. Please remember this when you're going through a tough season and you're just like, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. My world is falling apart. God, I thought you were supposed to be there for me. I don't, I. Understanding is not what God requires, but obedience is what God desires. In order for us to walk in miracles, we have to be willing to follow Jesus in the ways even when it doesn't make sense. And I'm not saying that, okay, be obedient. God will give you everything you want. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not a name it, claim it preacher. However, I do believe that when we live with Jesus, when we have a relationship with Jesus, we have the spirit of the living God living within us that everywhere that we walk, we should be walking in miracles. We should see atmospheres change. We should see demeanors change when we come in, in, uh, in, in contact with people because we have the spirit of the living God with us. However... No great miracle, in fact, no miracle at all, ever started with disobedience. No miracle at all has ever started with disobedience. No no miracle has ever come to pass without taking action or doing something. I'm not saying that, you know, okay, God rewards us for what we do and, you know, we have to be willing to, you know, all that. But I'm, I'm saying that in order to, to see the miracle come to fruition in your life, in order for God to work in your life, you have to be obedient and submit to him and be willing to act on what he tells you to act on. Let me give you an example. Every blind man that Jesus healed had to open his eyes. It requires action. Requires faith. Requires obedience. Every lame man that, that Jesus healed had to get up at some point and start walking. When, 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 uh, when, when Peter walked on the water, he had to have the faith. He had to take the action and obey Jesus and step out of the boat onto the waves in a mighty storm. Miracles, no, no miracle ever started with disobedience. And no miracle ever came to pass without disobedience taking action or doing something. We have to take the step out of the boat. We have to take the step towards the Jordan River even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it doesn't make sense. There's a story in in John chapter 6 where where Jesus, is he's got hundreds of followers at this point and he's he's kind of talking to them. And he stops and he says, in order to inherit the kingdom of God, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And... (laughs) Okay, that's a better response than I thought. I, you know, I thought you were going to be like, Ugh, okay, I got to get out. This is what Jesus said. Go read it. John chapter 6. And everyone in the crowd's like, what? <laughs> uh, did he really? Uh, okay, maybe this guy is kind of a kook. And maybe we should get out of here. So a lot of people, hundreds of people left Jesus, following Jesus at that point. And so, you know, after Jesus sees this, he turns to his faithful 12, well, faithful 11 in, in Judas. And, and he turns to them. He's like, are, are you going to go too? Like, what's, what's the deal? And and the reason that the 12 disciples stayed was not because they understood it. They didn't understand this. But what they what they had was they had history with Jesus. They've eaten with Jesus. They've spent time with Jesus. They've laughed with Jesus. They've seen the miracles that Jesus can do. They've they've been under the teachings that Jesus has been teaching them. So no, they didn't understand this part of it per se. And Peter says, whenever Jesus asked them, "Are, are are you gonna stay, are you gonna leave too? Peter says, Where else are we gonna go? You're, you're all we have. You're it. We've, we've found the Messiah. We're going to stick with you. I don't understand this, but I'm, I'm sticking with you through and through. And that's what they did. Understanding is not what God requires, but obedience is what God Desires. Proverbs 3:5 says this Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. And I love the Passion Translation. I'll read that too. It should be up there. It says, Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions, but with all your heart, rely on Him to guide you, and He will lead you into every decision that you make. God is so much bigger, so much better, so much wiser than we will ever understand. If you want to see miracles happen in the mundane areas of your life, follow Jesus. Be obedient to his voice, even if you don't understand it, even if it doesn't make sense. Keep moving on. And, and here's what baffles me about Naaman in this story, is how exceptionally simple this task was. I mean, come on. He's, he's the commander of an Aramean army, right? He's, he's seen some stuff. He's done some stuff. So, so it's, it'd, be, <laughs> it'd be stupid of us for, for, to think that, oh, it, this is too hard for him to do. It's not like it's a, it's, it's a difficult task. It's, it's a simple task. And so, you know, we can ask, we can ask ourselves reading the story, you know, why not just jump in? It's, you know, especially if you've come this far, what's, what's stopping you? And it looks like on the surface the only thing standing in between Naaman and his healing was the Jordan River. But if you look a little deeper... The only thing standing in between Naaman and his healing was his pride. He was too good for the Jordan River. He was too good for the Jordan River. Pride can do some interesting things to the way that you process. Naaman wanted God to heal him. God wanted to heal Naaman. And just, Naaman just didn't like the way that God wanted to go about it. You know what I mean? And, and so, you know, he would never say it verbally, but he said it with his actions. You know, I came here with money. I came here with honor. I came here with authority. I'm not going to do something as low as getting in that disgusting river. That is too low for me, and everyone's going to make fun of me. I feel like your prophet's trying to make fun of me here just because I, I'm not an Israelite. So, so I, no, I'm, that is too far for me and thank God for some good friends that we can have along by our side because they can really point out some of the stupid stuff we do in our lives. I know I'm thankful for my friends, and I'm thankful for Naaman's friends too, because if it wasn't for Naaman's friends, he probably would just would have walked away in his own pride and missed out on the miracle that day. But Naaman had some good friends and, and they talked and they say, Hey, hey Naaman, you know, I know you're angry right now, but but just just hear me out, okay? You know, <clears throat> if it was a hard task to do that the prophet told you to do, wouldn't you have done that? You know, Naaman's like, well, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a great and mighty man. Of course I would. And so his, his friends are like, okay, well, if you're this close to the healing, and this really isn't all that hard, why not maybe just give it a shot? You know? And so I'm, I'm so glad that Naaman had his friends to, 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 to encourage him to, okay, maybe check my heart, maybe check my pride, and let's just go to the Jordan River. It's funny how your pride can get in the way of your priorities. Let me say that again. It's funny how your pride can get in the way of your priorities. You know, we can think, oh, Naaman, just, just swallow your pride and get in the river and do this simple thing. But then if we look in our own lives, if we look in the mirror, this is going to hurt. How often, if someone was reading a story about our life, would they be shouting like we are, oh, come on, you, just, just do the simple thing, swallow your pride, just do the simple, come on, just do the simple thing. I wonder how many of us have, 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 have been too good for our proverbial Jordan River in our lives. I wonder how many of us have been too good for the small things, too good to do the mundane things. And I wonder how many miracles we might have missed out on that God wanted to do in us just because it was too beneath us. Here's a hard truth about pride. What you won't do directly affects what you can do. What you won't do directly affects what you can do. And a lot of, a lot of what we won't do is just because we think in our minds, this is, this is too simple. This is too insignificant. This is too this. this it doesn't matter. You know, and, and, and then we pray prayers like this, like, oh, God, I just want you to heal my marriage. But God has given you ability to try, <laughs> try harder, to submit, to maybe swallow your pride a little bit and, 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 and work things out with your spouse. You know, we, we pray this, this prayer, God, I just, I just really need this house. I really need this house, God. And we neglect to manage our finances in a way that we can afford a house. We pray, oh God, I just I you know help my health, I want better health, and then every day for lunch we go get a Big Mac and on the way home we stop for a bag of Skittles and a Red Bull, you know? We we neglect the small things. Should I keep going? God, I wish you would speak to me, and then we don't even read what he already said. God, we need this world to change. We don't pray for our neighbor. We don't love our neighbor. We slander them on social media, maybe in real life. You don't talk to your coworkers just because you don't like them. We like, say, "Oh God, we need a we need a better world. Our world needs to change." And He's like, "There's there's a, there's a miracle in the mundane here." foundation. And no, the foundation's not pretty. The foundation's not always fun. Maybe the foundation takes a little bit longer than the builder anticipated. But Without the foundation, the house will fall right down. Don't neglect simple because there's a breakthrough in the basics. I promise you this. Don't be too good for simple. You will see God work through the mundane areas in your life if we can just swallow our pride and be obedient even in the The small things. God will blow us away when we decide, you know what? Let me just swallow my pride. Let me be humble. Naaman going after he's already decided to follow God's instructions when it doesn't make sense. He's already decided to swallow his pride. He's heading towards the Jordan River. All these thoughts are, are you know, coming up in his head and he finally steps in and sits down. And he's looking all around to see if anybody notices him. And maybe everyone knows this great and mighty man. We, You know, we always think everyone knows who we are. And I just imagine Naaman sat down once. He's like, wow. Oh, skin to see if there was any change. So, uh, I, knew, I knew this wasn't going to happen. I knew this was too good to be true.
1: And then I, I just imagine his friends, are,
0: he got six more times, bro. Come on. The second time he dips and he looks, nothing. The third time he dips and he looks, nothing. The fourth time he dips, fifth. And the sixth time he dips, he looks, nothing changes at all. He's like, the instruction was seven can you imagine what would have happened if he stopped at six just because he didn't see any progress like when when, when Joshua um, you know in, uh, in, in Joshua I guess <laughs> in John, when he, when he marched around the walls of Jericho uh, on the last day he was supposed to ra- march around seven times can you imagine what would happen if they had stopped at six just because they didn't see a single piece of the foundation starting to crack they would have missed the miracle had they not been consistent look, I'll give this one more shot. This is what I've been asked to do. And he dips the seventh time. The Bible says his skin looked like that of a little boy. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this actually worked. And I I, I think that as when Elisha told told Naaman to dip in the river seven times, he knew that this was going to happen. He knew who he was. That's why he didn't come out to him. He knew who he was. And he knew that he'd been looking around at people the whole time thinking, oh, I look like a fool. But when he heard the voice of the Lord tell, tell Elisha to tell Naaman seven times, I think Elisha was like, ha, 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 okay, I see what you're doing, God. It's so important that we be consistent, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it seems beneath us and too simple to make a difference. Those two won't matter Happen in the mundane of your life, be consistent with God. Follow Him each and every single day, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you don't feel like it, even when you feel like, I just can't dip in the river one more time. Just go one more time. Just focus on the next step with Jesus. Don't don't look at your whole path. It's, It's overwhelming sometimes, but just look at the next thing that you have to do. next time you dip it'll be easier than the last time and easier and easier why because consistency builds confidence I think Elisha too just my own speculation is that he's a man of God he's been consistent with God through and through so when he got the instruction to tell Naaman to go dip in this river seven times I bet Elisha was like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but okay, I've, I've seen God work before. Who am I to say he's not going to work now? And we get to see the, the opposite end of, of where Naaman is. And, and someone who is consistently faithful with God have so much confidence in what they say, even when it makes sense. So I want to encourage you today, be consistent. You want to see miracles break out in your life? let's give God the mundane. Let's give God the insignificant and watch Him do miracles all over the city. which leads to more depression and anxiety. letting us spend another day where we get to worship you with who we are. I just pray for boldness over our people today. I pray for audacity over our people today. And I pray that you would speak to us in such a way that that we we just have to move. We can't stay still anymore, we've just got to go. We've got to go where you are. God, let us just be so hungry for you. so grateful for all that you've done. I just pray that if there's anyone here who has not made the decision to follow you, that you would encourage them to do that today. And this is me talking to you. I encourage you to make that decision today as well. I promise you it's gonna change your life so much for the better. It's not anything weird you have to do. You don't have to sign up for anything make the decision in your heart, in your spirit to say, you know what, Jesus, I i don't understand everything. Maybe this seems below me, but I'm just going to follow you. And just take that next step towards him, whatever that looks like for you. I want to encourage you to do that before you leave this place today. If you have any questions, we want The Thanks so much for listening to this message. We pray that God has used this message to speak to you and to show you how much he loves you. And if God has shown you something incredible, we want to hear about it. Please send us an email to hello at afreshchurch.com. And if you want to partner with us financially to help our ministry spread the good news of Jesus's love for all people, you can do so at afreshchurch.com give. Every dollar we receive goes back to loving people into relationships with Jesus. We want to encourage you to go out and live life with the one who gives life because it's so much better when we do it with Jesus.